Welcome back. Welcome back to Pop Pinions. Pop Pinions. Episode 83. <laughs> I already looked. <laughs> Such a cheater now. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. Case, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm kooky. I can tell by the way you wrote Pop Pinions <laughs> with I's for the O's, but then also missed the letter I. I know. So just pop pinnins. Pinnins. Pop pinnins. Pop pinnins. I try and do it different every time. It's getting, I'm running out of ideas. And the Simpsons have already tried to do this. I know. They do such a good job though. Yeah. I'm really, I don't know. I'm really tired. So when I get really tired, I get kooky. You had to like work like a whole day today. I did. I did. Cause we're doing, I was helping with an art project. So I had to stay right to the bell. It was a lot, guys. Wow. Like whole day. I know. And I actually am really busy right now. So I'm like really busting my butt. But I know it's going to be like great. Excuse me. Crazy busy. And then by like probably May long weekend, it'll start dying off. Because then everything's kind of done for the year. And June's like. Cakewalk. Yeah. Like it's like track and field day. And like let's go outside and play. And let's watch movies. And so not the whole time. Education haters. But I'm just saying it's a little. There, there are education haters. People hate education, or they hate educators and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so I know people like that will make comments. Do we also not like doctors or? Oh no, we love doctors and nurses, but we hate educators because we get all summer off. And then I was thinking the other day, I wonder if you actually added up. Like I know somebody who's a nurse, and I think she only works like two or three days a week. So if you actually added up her days off, like I'm thinking they probably get more time off than we do. But it's because ours is the summer and people like value that like summer thing, right? Yeah. I don't know. They're just, yeah, people just are always like, teachers are always complaining. You know? Okay, then you go be a teacher. I know. If That's you, what I say. I'm like, then go be one if you're. If whatever. you think it's so easy, go, go to say grade three class yeah like go then have fun have a good time how are you jack i'm good it's your first week as an adult yeah without done, school done you're, school you're adulting managed to have the week off though from work so that's nice yeah i know it's funny eh, how that worked and what did you do on your first day off as an adult um or first adult day do you mean like monday yeah Oh, I went to the dentist. I know. I was like, oh my God, if that's not the most adult thing ever. Yeah. And I have to go back this then like Monday. Monday again. You're making it a Monday thing. Yeah. I hope it's the last one because I have to get like a night. I basically had everything but a cavity. I know. I need a night guard, bone loss, some real dentist stuff. I know. I hate it. I'm already sweating. I don't want to talk about the dentist. Dude, would you rather talk about my great championship victory? Yes. So Monday, Jack played in a championship game for his... Monday D division. Okay. I was going to say beer league, but I didn't want to say... I don't want to like downplay it. Well, it is the adult safe hockey league. Yeah. And he won. And it was so good. And then I played We Are the Champions on my phone and he skated away. But, but his friend was like, yay. Yep. To me. You could say Stefan. I know. I don't know if I should or not. I, I don't think. I mean, my friends told me they were going to listen. None of them do. So it's okay. No, that's okay. Stefan. Okay. I wouldn't expect them to listen to this anyways. But um, yeah. That's rude. Fun, fun championship game. And we get to play in a tournament this weekend. I know. It's so fun. I okay. think we're going to come and see. One last little burst of hockey until the fall. Yeah. we. Are, I thought you were playing in the summer too. We are not. Okay. That's it then. I think so. I think that's everything. Big game tonight. Big game. Raptors. Raptors. Game six. Yep. Yeah. In the six. In the six. And you know what Charles Barkley said. We're going back to Philly for game seven. Totally. Because Toronto, how we say it, not Toronto. 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 Um, They're on a mission. And I'm here for that mission because my biggest pet peeve, well, I have a lot actually when it comes to sports, but one of them is when they're like, no team has ever done it and it's never going to happen. And like this negativity. Or just like statistics. Ugh. But you could say it just could be worded differently. 
Three three teams in NBA history have been down three nothing in a series and forced at game seven. Okay, so like it's not what my whole thing is like it's not impossible, so don't put your like impossible it's it's highly unlikely, sure. But it's not impossible. It's like the probability it's like math in school. Right? Probability. Totally. Anyways. Never count them out. They're never dead. But we're not here to talk about that. No, because this is not a sports. No, that's tomorrow. You can you can head over to the Joat Show if you want to hear sports. Okay. Good, good free promo. Thank you. Episode one forty six tomorrow. Wow, amazing. But today we're gonna do our IMC. We've got Malcolm and Marie, which I watched. You watched the day after tomorrow. I did. And then we got some debates. I know. Bringing back the debates. <laughs> took about two months of planning to get to well we five. have to try and get like enough debates because sometimes we think alike so sometimes we just pick a side just to, to argue it we don't necessarily believe it but we are always trying to find things to debate about right so yeah it's one of those things we collect ideas and then when we have five we're like okay let's go yeah. let's do it all right our imc i guess let's do some some rock paper scissors yeah rock paper scissors shoot oh rock paper scissors shoot, shoot. Hey, I won one. You won. We both did scissors first. And then I kept with scissors and you, you went to paper. Did. I should have gone to rock. I am going to defer. Thank you very much. So I will let you go first. Okay. So I watched The Day After Tomorrow, which is on Disney for anyone interested. It's from 2004, directed and half written. Like he had a co-writer, but I didn't write his name. But it's Roland Emmerich, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it follows a climatologist, which I was like, dad would be the best climatologist. I've never seen somebody so obsessed with weather. Okay. Climatologist Jack, played by Dennis Quaid, is largely ignored by UN officials when presenting his environmental concerns. His research proves true when an enormous superstorm, that's in quotes, guys, develops setting off catastrophic natural disasters throughout the world. And then his son, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, is trapped in New York. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is supposed to be like a teenager, which, I mean, maybe he was at the time, but he just, I don't know. He doesn't, he, he never, yeah. he's never looked young. Yeah. Like I was like, he's not a teenager, but um, yeah. So he's trapped in New York City and his dad is like, he calls him and he's like, get into like a building and burn everything you can and stay warm. And so that's what he does. And he has like Emmy Ross. Rossum. Rossum is um, kind of his like friend, love interest or whatever. And um, yeah, there's like a, there's a whole bunch of them at first. And then some of them decide to start walking and get out. So super by superstorm, I mean, it is, I think I wrote it down. Oh, so, okay. So Dennis Quaid is at the, no, no, sorry. Opening scene. Sorry, guys. It's opening scene. Dennis Quaid and three others are in Antarctica when the ice shelf starts like breaking. So they have to like jump. It's like, it kind of gets you, like it gets you going of like, oh, this movie is going to be, in, it's intense. Like it's like, I mean, it's a popcorn movie. It's not like we're, you know, but it's, it's really, it's right away. You're like, oh shit. Right. So then Dennis Quaid is at the global warming conference and it's in New Delhi and it's snowing. So it's like, yeah, there's maybe something wrong here, guys. Um, and he's trying to warn like about this like severe temperature drop, which is going to cause another ice age. And so there's so then they start kind of going around the world and there's like a hailstorm in Tokyo, which the hail the hail is like the size of your head. Like it's huge. There's like this unusual drop in the ocean temperature. And then there's like tornadoes in L.A., which wipes out the Hollywood sign, which is huh. fine. Um, no, not a national landmark. <laughs> right. So he travels by foot, mostly because he's in Philadelphia, I think, at this point, And he he knows his son is in New York. He knows he's at the library and he is uh, mostly by foot. So they did drive a little bit, but um Sorry. And then, yeah, so they're mostly like by foot to try and get to them. And so it's kind of the story of like him going, um, the like Jake Gyllenhaal in the library with the people. And at one point he has to go because um, Emmy, like this girl has an infection. I guess she had like a cut or something from before and then it's infected. And so uh, there's a huge ship that went by the buildings because of the water so um 
Yeah, it was like this huge like tidal wave and then everything froze and snowed. It was really crazy. I was like, this movie looked like it would have been miserable to film to me. Like it was just was cold. Like it just looked cold. Like I was freezing watching it. And it was like a rainy cold day here when I was watching it. And I was like, whoa, give me some tea. I don't know if it was like actually cold. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure I mean, some of it was, but it's also probably temperature controlled. Because like yeah. just, just so you know, none of that weather stuff happened. <laughs> Thank you. Woo. All right, I was worried about the library. I really like it there. <laughs> no, but I know in another show we watch, it's based in Chicago. And so they do say they're pretty cold all the time, but they put ice cubes in their mouths so, so that, that when, when they, they talk, it's like it shows the air and stuff. So I'm sure it was that, but I don't know. Just was cold. It looked cold. Anyway, so he has to leave the library and he has to go and get this like penicillin or whatever off this boat so that's like a whole adventure and so yeah it's just kind of like it's there it's his story and then Dennis Quaid is married to a um it's Celia Ward plays who god I've always loved her and she is a doctor and she's trying to save this cancer patient little girl because like I guess the parent they don't know where the parents are and so she's like I'm not leaving her and stuff and then they end up getting her to safety the president dies. I was like, well, we just knocked him off, eh? Anyways, what I found interesting was because the library in New York is one of the most beautiful places. And I was like, I feel like a lot of movies have used this before. So then I looked that up because I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. So Sex and the City movie, obviously, because that's where they're going to get married. Spider-Man 3 in 2007. Uh, 13 Going on 30. Made in Manhattan. Spider-Man in 04. The Thomas Crown Affair. Have you ever seen that movie? It's really good. Wait, Spider-Man, like the first one? I don't know. It just says 2004. I think that's the second one. Oh, okay. Uh, Ghostbusters, Breakfast at Tiffany's. There's a few more, but those are the ones I like knew. Some Mm -hmm. of them I didn't actually know. I hadn't. Whatever you asked me, had I seen. Thomas Crown Affair. It's really good. It's a good one. I might put that on your list, actually. It's a good heist kind of movie. It's a fun one. From what I remember, anyway. Yeah. I was going to say, I gave you this movie because I watched it in high school. Haven't watched it since. Honestly, there's a lot that I forgot. Like, I thought Dennis Quaid was the president. Oh, okay. No, he's the climatologist guy who's, like, trying to save the world. No one will listen to him until shit goes sideways. And then they're all like, oh, I guess we should listen to him. Like, literally one guy almost says that verbatim. Like, I guess we should have listened to him. I was like, yeah. Probably should have. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying because it's like, you know, it's it's realistic in the way of this could happen, yeah. but it's not realistic in the, I mean, I guess you never know, but the, it's the it's like, a, theatrics it, of it. Yeah, like it's like, okay, and you know, like the ending and stuff, which I won't give away, but it's, yeah, it's just exactly kind of what you expect. So, good choice. I enjoyed it. I was cold, though. I had a tea. Is it going to come come up later in our debates? Next, Jack. My movie from this week was 2021's Malcolm and Marie, directed, written and directed by Sam Levinson. For a lot of you that would know, he is the creator of Euphoria. Creator and writer. And but director? I think he does some. They, they have a lot of, like a lot of shows now just have different directors yeah. for different episodes. But I imagine he has a lot of control. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, on the brink of a breakthrough as a director. Uh, Malcolm and his girlfriend Marie return home after a movie premiere. Tension and revelations push their relationship to the brink. Mm-hmm. Um, major, I mean, pandemic 2020 vibes. It's just the two of them. Like the entire movie. It's just them two, which is just that much more interesting that they manage it's about an hour and 40 minutes Mm -hmm. and they they keep your attention the whole time there's never if there's it's not lulls but they just kind of let scenes breathe Mm -hmm. let the characters breathe and whatever they're reacting to uh filmed in black and white 35 millimeter uh film cool i yeah you didn't say who plays them Oh, sorry. It's uh, Zendaya is Marie and John David Washington is Malcolm. I love him. This is just pretty much a play. Yeah. Because it doesn't even... You could tell not everything was filmed at once, but the cuts are pretty smooth. I thought of it, especially the black and white, made me think of 12 Angry Men, which in itself was also a play. Mm -hmm. 
this is like psychological warfare this movie totally it is so impressive how these characters love each other so much but also find every way to pick at each other yeah i feel like it's a very realistic way of like a fight like you go through every emotion with them there's a lot of ups and downs yeah like sometimes she's more mad sometimes he's more mad sometimes they're both mad sometimes they're not like it's just like you're just like going on this journey and sometimes they're mean to each other and sometimes they're sweet like it's just like like a regular fight yeah um there's this great when they first get back there's a little like dancing scene solo shot from outside the house and there's a lot of great camera movements she's not really talking much but they start to talk about his movie kind of giving you context of the movie which by the way is his movie not euphoria right because (laughs) it's about a girl trying to get clean yes it's so true i wonder because Sam Levinson pitched this idea to Zendaya when filming got shut down for Euphoria at yeah. the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm sure that had something to do with this. Well, I remember reading about it and then Zendaya saying like they would call, he would call them or her and say like, you know, would you say this? How would you work? And they would talk on the phone for like two hours and they would try and like figure out what people would say and, you know, that kind of thing. I found that really interesting. It felt very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very early discussion about film and filmmaking and he just discredits her because he is the artiste and mm-hmm. um then i just wrote kissing her ass because he literally was kissing her ass yes um and at the when they first get back you know you can sense there's maybe a little bit of tension but it's a little silent she makes a mac and cheese mm-hmm. and they kind of have this like little not even fight but it's just a little back and forth and she's like can we just eat and go to sleep? Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this now. Nothing productive is going to happen with this conversation now. So let's just go to sleep and talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. But he just can't let that happen. No. He needs to to poke and to pry, which then leads, or like right after that is when the title card comes up 13 minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. which I thought maybe unnecessary Mm -hmm. i felt like there would have been like because there's this opening shot of them driving back to the house i feel like that would have been a good time to do it right creative choice i know we talked about that a couple times Mm -hmm. but wasn't the biggest fan of it not like it didn't ruin anything no yeah just right but just something you're pointing out creatively i wouldn't have done that right but i'm also not a director yeah um she she also says, can we eat and go to sleep? Because she knows how this argument's going to go. She And she says something along the lines of, you can never de-escalate a situation unless it's at work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the big, basically crux of this movie and the big argument is that during his speech before the movie starts, he doesn't thank her. Right. He thanks his mom. He thanks agents. He thanks a third grade teacher, mm-hmm. but doesn't thank her. Yeah. And that is a big, big thing that kind of comes and goes in these arguments. Yeah. Like other things get brought into it, but that is the core of their argument. Right. And this is especially because he made the movie based on her. Right. To like, she says that he denies it and says there's a lot more that goes into it, but there are too many similarities because she was a struggling drug addict at 20 and overdosed in like a market and then took her to rehab. And so you could tell you don't see any of this movie again. All of this happens in this one house. So you don't see anything, but you get enough context to understand that he, as much as he wants to deny it, he made the movie about her. Yes. Yes. I don't know why that is like what he he's taking such a strong stand for. Like, I just never understood it. Like, just be like, yes, you inspired it like you don't have to say yes it's about you but you can be like yes you inspired it or whatever right yeah um then there's another little spat about the star of the movie taylor who because apparently a lot of people were saying things to marie zendaya this is this movie is pretty easy to go it's either malcolm or it's marie Marie. yeah it's either john david washington or zendaya that's talking exactly so apparently a lot of people were saying to marie like and taylor would say passive aggressive things to her and he said it's his job to make his star feel comfortable mm. instead of his own girlfriend. Right. Just not so special. Not some great logic. And then they bring up the question, would the movie be as good without Marie, without mm. Zendaya? 
because, and I think this is something I'm glad they touched on because with filmmakers, well, honestly, not even any job out there, if you don't have a good support system at home, your work won't be as good. Exactly. Because she brings it up in this, like, think about the, like, it's 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 towards the end but she's saying all the things that he should have thanked her for mm-hmm. thank you for making me smile thank you for making me coffee thank you for buying things like toilet paper and milk so that he could focus on being a director yes exactly and he doesn't have to worry about, about all anything else any of things. the small things yes all the small things all the small things that add up right that you know like she took care of him so he could do a really good job mm-hmm um, he then asks if the fight is over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very good technique. Yes. Are we, is this done yet? Like yeah. that's always a good one. Or you need to calm down. Like those are always good mm-hmm. ways to de-escalate help. a situation. For sure. Fight starts back again. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have some calm moments, but we're, we're back to the arguments. Um, I just wrote telling her about, oh, he's. I said telling he's yelling at her about working and that you you can't just you can't just want to do something you have to really commit to it which is they do a good job of I think it's kind of clear that I don't want to say it's on her side but I think she's just more right in terms of art in most of the argument but they do a good job of turning it back and forth of like there's flaws in both of these people yes for sure. And the way they handle things and the way they communicate, like there are flaws. Like he was wrong for not thanking her, but there are there is more depth to their arguments, right? Than just that. Yeah. Um So then he and part of I think it's part of this one, he was talking about her struggles. Again, she was a drug addict that got clean. He and he's talking about how he was there with her to take her to rehab and be with her through all that process, which I think there's a bit of a, like, not end of an argument, but a bit of a pause. And then she comes back and says, is that really, like, you were really just there for me? Like, I, I don't think you were. I think you were there because you had this idea of a movie and you wanted to keep going with the story instead of actually being in a relationship with mm-hmm. me. Uh, I just wrote maybe for the art. Um <laughs> They do a great job of taking turns listening because m- most of it is like one person yelling at the other one and the other one's just standing there. Right. There's few yelling at each other. Yeah. It's just one person yelling and the other person just sits back and listens. Yeah. Um. So then she brings up that he has lived a good life. His mother's a doctor. His father's a professor. He doesn't know about the struggle. Yes. And there's quite a few references to him being the next great black director, mm-hmm. uh, comparing him to like Spike Lee or Barry Jenkins. And he, she says, you don't know what it's really like mm. because of the life you lived, how not easy, but easier, how much, yeah, compared to other people. Right. Wow. That was uh, aggressive job. I was flipping my pencil in my hand. Um, he then goes outside and does this like mimicky like dance fighting where he's like kind of bumbling and screaming, <laughs> but he's just like going through like grass. They do a good job of wherever they filmed this. It was some like private home yeah. somewhere in California and they just, they use the space very well. So they didn't do it in a studio. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of things um, that I found interesting about okay. the filming of this. Um. So then she's in the bathtub Mm -hmm. and he comes in and says, you know what? I'm really ready to hurt you. He says, Mm -hmm. like, I can snap you like a twig and then starts going through all of his previous relationships and says, well, you know, you think you did this and that makes you special. I already did that with this girlfriend Mm -hmm. or this girl that I slept with. Yeah, it gets really mean. Really mean, really personal. And then below the belt for sure. Yeah. And she's just left crying in a bathtub Mm -hmm. because they do a good like they do a good job of making the movie of he says all this to her and then just walks away Mm -hmm. and then just doesn't give her time to respond and she just has to sit there with what he said and yeah one of them was about this girl that was in a heart-shaped bathtub and he has like a polaroid of her Mm -hmm. really really unnecessary really personal um yeah talks about the girls talks about the girls he's been with that inspired the character because she just keeps saying well this is about me and he tries to go, well, no, it's like about my, like my cousin, too. And it just doesn't really seem yeah. genuine. 
And then he says, well, you think you're special because you tie your shoes with like the double loop? Well, this girl did this mm. and it's all about comparisons. Right. Um, so then they both go to sit outside, which Zendaya, I think, has about seven cigarettes during right. this. Right. <laughs> I know. She does smoke a lot. Um, and she's because there is quite a bit of music that is played kind of mm-hmm. it's at the very beginning when they first get back and just occasionally music will come on they sit outside and she starts to play a song that's called get rid of him mm. in a not so subtle way <laughs> and the song is like he's terrible for you and the like person responding is like no and she starts singing along and then he just walks away mm-hmm. it's one of those like you don't need to necessarily yell to have a good right argument or reaction mm-hmm. because yeah. he just walks away because he just can't handle that yeah um then we get this la times review which they at one point they're talking about um how white people don't understand how how different it is being a filmmaker again personally yeah we don't understand no but there's this la times review that comes up and he was talking to the girl and he's reading this article and he's kind of mumbling like, Oh, you wouldn't have known this unless I told you and kind of breaks down, not necessarily the filming techniques. Like it's not something again, if, if I was making a movie, it's she wasn't critiquing things that were necessary. Oh, okay. Right. And, but at first though, um, he can't find his wallet and he's screaming. He's like, where's my wallet? I can't find it. And she's like, did you check? Did you check the bedroom? He's like, yeah, of course I checked the bedroom. What are you talking about? He's like, did you check the bar? He's like, yeah, I can't find it. What's going on? Oh, okay, I found it. Right. And she's <laughs> like, where was it? And he's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah. clearly somewhere. It's one of those places. That she told him to look. That yes. she probably knows where it always is. Yeah. And then because he put his phone down on the table and ran to go find his wallet. And then he goes, where's my phone? Where is it? I can't find it. Starts doing this again. And she's like, Malcolm, Malcolm. Like, it's over here on the table. Yeah. Because he has to find his wallet because he has to pay for la times like a subscription to read the article to read the review about his movie um then he goes on this one of the most incredible monologue rants ever about changing identities and the mystery of filmmaking and how people who don't make films don't understand and how this review was terrible even though there were positive things in it Mm mm-hmm and, like, he finishes this, like, whole thing and he's, like, literally out of breath, which I thought was really cool and, like, actually natural. Right. Yeah. Natural. And it didn't seem like I'm reading a monologue. Here, let me flip to the next script page, yeah. right? And as soon as she, or as soon as he stops, then Zendaya just goes, like, so that's how you react when you get a good review? Because mm-hmm. for the most part, it was pretty positive. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're talking about how filmmaking, she says that filmmaking is one of the most capitalistic things you can do and he's like well what are you talking about because they're talking about the star of the movie that's talking about the movie on an e-news channel as and people are going to see the movie where they're selling tickets for 13 dollars and they're gonna make millions of dollars off of this so i thought that was a cool um recognition of the capitalism yeah of movies (laughs) uh and then sexy time starts yes you got to have some sexy time in there. And unfortunately for for <laughs> Malcolm, he goes to pee and he comes back and Marie goes, why didn't you cast me in the movie? Mm-hmm. Which it was one of those things I hadn't thought about, but obviously it's her story. She had dabbled in acting, but it wasn't really clear what she was doing mm-hmm. now. And then they sit, sit across from each other and have probably the best argument because there's no yelling. There's some mean going back and forth. Yeah. But it was just, why didn't you cast me? And he said, well, you didn't want to. You didn't want to try. And they kind of blame each other mm-hmm. for why she wasn't a part of it. Which I thought, that was probably my favorite scene. Right. Was them just kind of like sitting there and they were just tired from this whole fight. Like they had gotten back at one in the morning. They, I wish they almost had like a time a, a clock somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure this argument was hours, hours. and hours long. Yeah. Um, My favorite film nerd oh wait and then so the thank you scene she goes through everything that he should have thanked her for Mm -hmm. and it was just so good because it again it's there's not a lot of back and forth with the camera and stuff so it's just on her and she's going through again one of those monologues where like she goes thank you for making me coffee thank you for making me smile thank you for great sex and cuddles like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and it was 
there's a lot of things that she rhymed through, which was which was really good. Um, and then she ends up walking back out with. I think this actually the thank you scene is after this, but before she walks out with a knife, and you're thinking, okay, which way could this go? And <laughs> right. she's like, those antidepressant pills that I was taking, I'm off them now. She's thinking, okay, is is this really where this movie's gonna turn? Mm-hmm. And she she is terrifying in this scene and she's like tapping the knife on the ground and he's like sitting there thinking like is she gonna kill herself or is she gonna she kill me? me like it was so tense and then eventually she puts the knife down and goes that's basically that's why your movie would have been better with me mm. so she does this whole thing to show just him. to fuck with him yeah yeah like, and show what a great actor she is right um then then the the ending is pretty like like there's not really like a solid ending it's just kind of the morning happens right and you don't really know where their story's going mm-hmm. and you don't need to no no you saw this one night of them fighting yeah um there was one thing about this movie that apparently someone said that it was done in four shots wow and that i i don't like it realistically couldn't have like it it, the filming did take place over more time but they said like the fourth shot is what ended up in the movie Mm. it's kind of weird how they explained it um so there was this was secretly filmed from june 17th to july 2nd of 2020 okay there on the set there were not allowed more than 12 people at a time because of pandemic restrictions yeah um it was shot entirely in chronological order oh i love that and it just it makes it so because i read that after i'm like it makes it so much better because you can see the evolution of the totally. argument must be so hard i always say that as an actor or actress like just like having to do it like okay now you think this and you're like but i have that hasn't actually happened yet or whatever so, so how could i react like yeah that? but i mean i guess that's why they're professionals right but i like that it was done in chronological i didn't know that and the film Nerd Corner is definitely because it's pretty much every scene is pretty much one shot. So a lot of changing of scenes or like cutting between characters is just based on camera movements. Right. Sometimes there's two cameras. They go back and forth. Even in as John David Washington is talking about filming, he's talking about all like using different lenses and using two shots. Mm-hmm. And do you, uh, one of the in a, as a part of the review, they said something about um a dolly shot and he said no it's not it's actually this and it was mm. something that i'd learned about so okay. i was just like there there is enough of a difference where someone would care right right especially when it's their work yes uh so overall loved it good they were zendaya john david washington I mean, incredible incredible the acting is just like top notch the back and forth the chemistry it the is, realness of it yeah like it is just a real up and down of a very toxic relationship mm-hmm. yeah those are two of like my absolute faves right now so and i remember this is the movie where zendaya said you have to let me be an adult yeah like she was 24 i think when she filmed this and so she's like i am an adult like because people were like horrified and she's like i am 24 now people or 23 whatever she was like she was an adult you're not a child she could drink she can vote she is an adult a couple, couple years she can run a car right right yeah Yeah, i know people had a really hard time seeing her in this role and i think that was a good like seeing her in euphoria in this is showing her range and then like spider-man because she was a child actor right so people have a really she's disney right so it's people have a very hard time with that transition so i think she's done a really good job Mm -hmm. and she has the best fashion i've ever seen in my life I am ready for her to, I don't want to say get more range, but. Yeah, no, I understand what you're going to say. Like, because we've seen kind of the Euphoria, Spider-Man, and then this, Dune. I mean, she was in it for five seconds. So, I don't know. It would be interesting to see when she's more part of it, right? Yeah, and she has to be, I don't think there's another actor or actress out there that has a more interesting career moving forward yeah no, because I agree. she's the world is her oyster she could do whatever she wants she can i know and their love i'm there i'm down for their their love like tom holland tom and holland and him her not, I, I 
not her no, and no. John David Washington's no, characters. Tom Holland and her. I'm like down for it. I love when I see them together. I just think they're so cute. Well, that's good. I'm glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. Especially because I just wanted somebody else to watch it. So it was like, yes, like it was so good. And like nobody watched it. And I was like, why didn't anybody watch this movie? Like it was so good. And I was trying to explain it to one of my friends and he was like, well, what's it about? And I'm like, okay, so it's like these this couple and they fight. <laughs> and he's just like, mm, really selling it. And I was like, I know. I don't know how to say, like, I don't know how to describe it where it's intriguing enough to watch it, you know? So. And even like the stuff I wrote, there's part of arguments I missed because the stuff I left out on purpose because I want people to actually watch yeah, it. Yeah. Like this, that's just like scratching the surface. Again, it's like an hour and 40 minutes. Like, you know, but somehow, there's like, there's a you lot said, that two characters can do. Yeah, like, and and it just shows you that you can have a movie like that with two characters, and it can keep your interest. Like, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's get into let's get into these debates. Okay. So let's do it. Do we just go? Should we introduce just one by one as we go? Yes. Okay. And then after that, we'll do our next IMC. Okay. Uh, so our first one. Yes. We are going to be debating. Ted Lasso songs. Yes. So for those who don't know, there's two pretty prevalent songs that have come out of the show, Ted Lasso. Yes. Uh, you will be arguing for the side of Jamie Tart. Yep. To the, to the tune of Baby Shark. Jamie Tart, do, 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 do. Jamie Tart, do, 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 do. Jamie Tart, do, 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 do. Jamie Tart. Yep. That's, that's yours. Yeah. And mine is Roy Kent's song. So that... That goes. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Yeah. Also, I like singing it when you do Roy like, Kent. like yeah. You, you usually they're singing it in the crowd of the soccer match. Yes, and he's like the one scene where he's like kind of on the ground and he's like feeling all like blah, and then they start singing the song. And it reinvigorates him. Not that it's a better song though. Okay. So I don't have like I'm not going to say I have a I don't have a lot for this, but I will say with the tune of Baby Shark, it's definitely more catchy. Um, Like it's more like when you were like, I'm going to do the Roy one. I was like, I couldn't tell you what that is. Like I didn't know until I heard it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. But Jamie Tart, because it's the Baby Shark, I was like, it's just a more catchy tune go ahead the Roy Ken song in and it's like the Jamie Tart one again anyone could sing it and it's and it's like whatever it's still a song but Roy Kent's is sung in the in the stadium and it's the whole crowd singing it together mm-hmm. you get some profanity in there mm-hmm. and which of course it's Roy he of course it's profanity. Ne- necessary for his character mm-hmm. and Again, who who doesn't who doesn't want to be sitting in a stadium singing that song arm in arm with everyone? Yeah, I'll give you that, but I also think it's not something. It's also not really a song. It's not a it's, song. It's a, chant. it's a chant. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say that if you look up most viewed video, oh my god, um, of YouTube, it is Baby Shark. There what? are. 10 billion 53 or something like that so i just think like more people know that tune so you don't want to be a part of more of the exclusive club oh nice jack nice 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 yes the few the few thousand people that can cheer it at a time right and they have you in the in the crowd yeah because i think of it as like in liverpool they sing like the beatles like Mm -hmm. in in those environments you have your typical or not typical but you have your um i can think of like the word your staples in terms of songs okay yeah i get it it's also hard because it's not like we can like pick a winner no no we can't we should have put it on our instagram though we should have been like which song do you like better i don't know or which one is more catchy Mm, that's changed (laughs) you're changing the rules because mine's more catchy is it though? Mine is more catchy, but yours is more like symbolic or like more heartfelt or something. Not heartfelt, but like meaningful. Yeah, meaningful. But mine, I think that the Jamie Tart is more catchy. 
Because it's also just repeating his name. That's it. Yeah. So let's say that. Jamie Tart, more catchy. Roy Kent, more meaningful. Sure. Okay. I will accept that. It's a draw. Number two is whether or not a show should have a cold open. Explain what a cold open is. Some people don't know. A cold open is most likely just one scene that would happen before the intro or the this the opening credits mm-hmm. to usually it doesn't mean much to the story of the actual episode of the show, but it just adds some context more to the characters than anything. So, for mine what I'm going to say is you get like you're getting right into it right away like there's no like you're just like here here it is right so there's no you're not you're not seeing a theme song you're not seeing whatever you're just like we're in it so you're establishing like the plot and the tone the tone is very important you're establishing that right away that's what i'm gonna say for me it's just just give me the show like i I don't want I don't it you're you're breaking up the show at that point. You're mm-hmm. giving you're giving a little taste of it and then you gotta watch I mean, not that people really watch intro songs or like yeah. opening credits, but no. even then you gotta watch like two or three seconds and then you can skip it. When yeah. I could just get immediately to the skip and then the show just starts. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's that way of like grabbing your attention and then and then being like okay here are the people like it's important to do the credits because people work really hard on it and I'm not saying take that away but I think it's like one of those like it gets you excited and I just wanted to give you a couple of examples so this is where I fight an uphill battle because most shows have a cold open um Arya in Game of Thrones one specific episode where she is at the phrase phrase that's before that's a cold open oh yeah what because that's like again one of my arguments is hbo shows because they never do them aside from game of thrones did do it a couple times yeah so you know you were waiting because that was the season wasn't it the first episode of the season or something i think so yeah and so like that's how it starts and you're you're so in like you're just like oh my god like you're in now it's not just drama because there's also comedy um brooklyn 99 when captain holt wears a red hat was one of them um the office i mean the office is like classic for it like parkour was one of the best opens um the fire drill like that is one of like it's classic you know because then the episode still goes on they're still talking about the fire drill it doesn't necessarily mean it's like completely different yeah but you're just you're grabbing people and I do have Euphoria on the list, too, because they have done a couple of cold opens. Yeah, the one I'll kind of concede because, okay. like, it, I personally, like, they don't bother me. But yeah, if if I can choose, because I was then I was looking up, I'm like, what shows don't have cold opens? They just mm-hmm. had lists of like Modern Family always had a cold open mm-hmm. like it does. Modern Family, I think, was the best cold open because even if because it meant nothing to the story but then they would like give you like a freeze frame and then they would start the intro right i thought that was kind of cool yeah yeah i'm down for it i like it but i mean if they didn't do it i would be okay like it's i'm pretty indifferent to it but for the sake of this argument i had to like obviously say cold opens and once i started reading all the shows that have done it i was like yeah it's kind of cool i guess right let's let's be different shows let's let's stop with the cold opens yeah Let's stop. Or let's stop with now the new thing is like in movies, which I've seen a few times now, is we're rolling the credits at like 30 minutes. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Cold open movie. Right? Like, I'm like, what? You can't do that. Like, that's a bit. That's taking it a little far. That's like, it's a little too much. Uh, so our third one is, yes. is we're heading into the movies. Should we be showing the ending of the movie first or something very close to the ending? So okay, yeah. Pulp, Pulp Fiction was yeah. the one that was that started this and a lot of movies have now copied it. So do we think that we should be showing the end or near the end of the movie basically before it starts? Okay. Are you going to go or me? I, I could go. Okay. So again, Pulp Fiction is what made this a thing. Yes. I, I think I think it works really well. Again, we watched uh, Cher- Cherry, Cherry? cherry yeah with tom holland a couple weeks ago and it did 
it did add context because before the movie even starts, you see he's in kind of like a bank robbing some kind of shady situation. So then once you get to meeting his character, you think it's already, even if you're not thinking it subconsciously, you're like, okay, we're going to see this descend into something. Like, how do we get there? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I will say, it's a hard one for me to argue because I don't, I don't mind it, but you are, I've, sometimes I feel like you are taking away from that element of surprise because you're watching the movie and you know where it's going. Like, you know, like, okay, but this is going to happen. Like, I know he's going to be robbing a bank or I, I know, I don't know this, the diner thing at, you know, Pulp Fiction or so like you're, you are taking away that element of surprise. Um, and I sometimes feel like it's hard to have that character development because because you've given us like point C and then we have to go back and be like a B like the character developments like a f- it's just it's kind of like that reverse like chrono like you're just like I'm not sometimes it's a little harder to like navigate as a viewer but um and certain genres I don't think it works for like you can't really do it with like a thriller like you can't no you can't you can't really show like I, I, as you're saying that, I was thinking about like what movie would be terrible if they did it this way, and I was like, Get Out would suck if right? they like showed us like the cop scene, like the maybe not the very end, but near the end. Yeah, once, once we're realizing what's happening. Yeah, that movie wouldn't be as good. No, so there are certain movies, like, and I especially think thrillers, it just wouldn't work for Seven. What What's in the box before we, like, I just well maybe that would work, but. Yeah, they would actually. It would, it that would, could work. It would literally just have to be him. Like it couldn't say, be any other context. It would just have to be Brad Pitt saying, "What's in the box?" What's in the box? And then you start the and then you, yeah, and then you because then your then your mind is already like, what? "Well, what's in the box? <laughs> what box are we talking about? <laughs> Where's the box? <laughs> Where's the box? I don't care what's in it." And I feel like sometimes you're starting like with the climax, and then you're kind of reversing back. So you've like got everybody up this like high, and then you're kind of like dropping them. But the things I did read on it, I did agree with. Like, it's not about the like how we got there. It's the journey, or it's not about the what that is. I don't I can't remember how it was worded, but like, it's just about like it's how, how the journey yeah, happens. Yeah, how we're getting to that point is more important than knowing that ending or what or middle or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. I think Pulp Fiction, not only that they started it, that they're the best best example, it also doesn't really do anything. Once you get to the end, you're like, okay, I've seen like most of this. Yeah. But you now, don't really get to see what actually now you're transpires it. until the end. Yeah. And then you're trying to piece it together of like, what, did that happen first or did this happen first or whatever? But that's challenging the audience. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. Just c- certain movies it doesn't work for. And I don't like when people like try to copy like Pulp Fiction and it doesn't, it really falls flat. Like it's like, no, you should just be. You can't copy it because un- unless you like pull up a whiteboard of every scene, you're not going to know exactly what's in chronological order. And it kind of makes it better because it's all these disjointed stories. But at the core of it, you you can piece together what's going on. Yeah. And Memento is at the Right. Oh, Memento is the most confusing movie ever. <laughs> I watched I watched Christopher Nolan for half an hour explain how the movie worked. Like, what was the ending? What was the beginning? And I still don't know. No, no. All I remember is that he doesn't remember. Right. <laughs> that he's like, I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> he should have done know. that. That would have been really funny. Yeah. He's like, this goes here and this goes this here. here. Hmm. Or does it? I'm not really sure about that. I don't remember that. how he did it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. That's, I don't know. Showing the ending first. I'm, I'm, I I mean, again, it it could be my argument, my reverse argument would be that it's kind of overdone. Yeah. But I think if you use it to use it the way Pulp Fiction did is you're showing the ending we think, but not necessarily. Not necessarily the ending. Yeah. Yeah. At least. It worked in Cherry too. I have to say. Like it didn't. It didn't ruin anything. It didn't ruin anything because they didn't. Because there was more after. I think that's the thing, too. That you can't show the very ending or else. Yeah, like, what's the point of watching it? not the very ending. It's like reading the last page of a book. Like, why would you want to do that? I feel like the last page of a book, though, wouldn't really. Okay, the last chapter or something. All right, number four. (laughs) 
Okay. So I just, I have to preface this one. So Jack and I picked our topics and then yesterday we were sitting there and I was like, we were asking each other if we had our notes done for the debate. And I was like, yes, I have my notes done. And there is one debate that I will, I will die on this hill. And he's, he just paused for a minute. You might've had to have been here because it was just funny the way he did it. He paused for a minute and he goes, okay, so there's this big rock coming towards earth. (laughs) Like just died laughing because I was like yes this is exactly the one I will die on this hill and that is what is the best apocalypse movie and I am gonna say Armageddon because there's a rock and Bruce Willis has to (laughs) save the world yes that's what he did and it was so funny because I was like that's so funny that you I just I knew that would be when I thought of that as a debate I knew I know because you love that movie and it's literally it literally is an apocalypse movie waiting to happen. Totally. Okay. So do you want to go or do you want? Yeah. I don't even know what movie you're doing because I was like, it doesn't matter to me what you're doing because my movie is the best apocalypse movie. First of all, let's just talk cast. Okay. We have Bruce Willis. We have Ben Affleck, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, Liv Tyler, pretty much the only female, by the way, Billy Bob Thornton, Steve Buscemi. Okay. So they're oil drillers. Some of those guys are oil drillers and they have to fly into space because there is an asteroid. It's not a rock. It's an asteroid and it's going to hit Earth and kill everybody. Okay, it's going to cause an ice age, actually. And so they have to these oil drillers, just these regular Joes. Okay, they have to fly into space. They have to drill a hole 800 meters. It has to be okay, because that's a bit of there's a bit of drama there, too drop the nuke, get off the asteroid, blow it up. And they only have a certain time to do it. Okay. It's a time frame. So that's that. Okay. Then we have a father daughter story because Bruce Willis and Liv Tyler, father daughter. It's beautiful. It's a little strained. It's got, you know, so we've got some father daughter drama. We have a beautiful love story with Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck. Okay. We have, very likable characters like you like these guys like you are rooting for these guys because they're just in their own right just their own crazy characters and you love them um it's michael bay you're gonna laugh you're gonna cry you're gonna you're down for a ride grab your popcorn and watch them maybe save earth i don't know you guys i can't tell you how it ends and the music's really good Actually, the music's like really good. It's really, really good. Isn't Aerosmith? Yeah. Well, it's some of it's Aerosmith. Yeah. Some of it's Aerosmith. And there's, I don't know, there's other ones. I don't know. Don't know. Leonard Skinner. It's good. Go ahead. I decided instead of picking one movie, I would just give you a list of movies that I think. A list? That's not fair. Okay. That's fine. Mine will still hold up. It doesn't matter what you say. Wally. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay. Wally not only goes through it. It is apocalypse. It might be a little post-apocalyptic on yeah. Earth, but everybody's in space and everybody's getting fat. Yeah. So that's, that's a good it's a good lens. Okay, I do on love society. Wally. I, I will give you Wally is a good movie, but it's it's just different. It's just different. Wally is more like existential crisis. Armageddon's more like popcorn fun. You know, you're down for the ride. How about Mad Max Fury Road? Um, did I see that movie? Oh, with Charlize and Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. They hated each other, right? Uh, on that movie. Um, I don't know if I, like, I feel like I did, but then I don't know. Okay. Like, I don't remember it. Uh, then I'll give you Independence Day. Will Smith. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's aliens. Then Alien we got, like, invasion. I know, built. but then we got, like, weird aliens and stuff like that. And I don't know. Like, they just are, like, slimy little things and whatever got whoever the president i always confuse bill pullman and bill paxton i know i think it's pullman go like well not go quietly into the night (laughs) gives us big old speech um (laughs) dr strange love i don't know that movie it's a movie from the 60s i think it's stanley cooper Cooper. okay and it's kind of like a weirdly funny apocalypse movie funny apocalypse movies Um, it's great and then this one this one's gonna hurt your soul okay how about a quiet place oh okay Again, it's like for me, it's just different. I don't know. Cause that one's more like family 
survival. They're not trying to save the world. They're just trying to like survive. And this one is they're trying to save all of mankind. Like everybody on earth. There's the stakes are high. They're high. They got to get this drill. They got to drill this hole and they got to get the nuke in. It's a rock. It's an asteroid. It's going (laughs) to kill us all. And it's got good music. (laughs) You're just repeating these (laughs) arguments. I don't even know if I could see that or not. I just knew going into this, this is going to be my favorite one. I know. Just because it was the one you're just going to die on this hill. I will die. You're going to die on the the asteroid. I will. I would have gone to space with him. Actually, I wouldn't have because it looks really scary. At one point, Owen Wilson, it's funny too. At one point, Owen Wilson's like, what's it going to be like up there? Like, he goes, okay, let's say we like get up there and we're like, okay, we made it here. What's it going to be like? And they're like 200 degrees or minus something. Like they're describing it and they were like, he's like, okay, so scariest place imaginable. Okay, got it. Scariest imaginable. Like, yeah, I don't know. And they have to get the Russian guy off the, where they fill up for gas or whatever, or fuel. And then they the Russian guy gets on with them, and he adds a lot of comedy to it, too. And, like and, a- the, and then we think Ben Affleck dies, and Liv Tyler, is, Liv Tyler is at Houston with Billy Bob Thornton, and they're trying to, like, you know, he she thinks her fiancé, because they just got fiancéed, he <laughs> thinks that they, that she's, that he died. But surprise, surprise, he makes a comeback and saves the day. Maybe. So good. Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe someone else does. Or maybe the asteroid hits Earth. That's it. That was was amazing. Okay, thank you. I don't know how we top this, but what is the bigger Oscar moment? The Will Smith Chris Rock slap or the Moonlight La La Land best picture fiasco? So how did you wear that? What is the most... I think it was was the bigger moment. Okay, bigger moment. Because when I, when you look up, if you Google Oscars shocking moments, Will Smith is number one. Could also due to recency bias that it happened more recently. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think because it's still pretty fresh, because it's like, you know, it didn't like, I mean, it didn't just happen, but it is like it's, it happened. It's recent enough. It's recent enough. And the other thing was like years ago, what I will say is the La La Land Moonlight mix up was an accident. It was a mishap. Will Smith hitting someone was not like it was like it was a reaction and it was vi- like, I don't know, an assault on a human. So I'm. It's a hard, it's, that's a hard one because it's like one was just, it was an innocent accident and it kind of made it funny. I feel bad for even saying that because La La Land thinks they won an Oscar for best picture and that must've been like really hard for them to be it taken away. But because it's Jimmy Kimmel, he just handled it so well. And I mean, there's just so many funny things about it where the other thing is not funny. Do you know? Yeah. No, no, no. The the Will Smith one for shock value was definitely more, especially because watching it, everyone, like most people admitted they thought it was a bit. They thought it was a joke. Totally. Yeah. And it wasn't until you saw Chris Rock's face and he's like, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, this was real. And when he starts screaming at him. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Yeah. There's an expletive in there, too. There was, yeah. We already swore on this, but it's okay. So... My argument for the Moonlight La La Land, not only, again, comedically, it's amazing. Because it's an accident, it just immediately, because this was the year, this was probably our biggest Oscar year. Yeah. We had watched everything. And we, we did. were so in tune for we what were was invested. going to happen. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and I don't think, I, I don't think in the moment the Will Smith thing could beat the just slow painful train wreck that was happening you were watching a car crash at 10 miles 10 kilometers an hour or whatever and it was just like the processing was so slow like yeah. it was like what is actually happening are they having a stroke up there like it was really i agree with you and the like it felt slow motion almost like what is happening and then they have like emma stone and ryan gosling up there holding oscars laughing yeah so you're like is this a joke <laughs> Like, yeah, like, you're thinking that's planned because it starts off it's Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty because they were celebrating the anniversary. It was the 50th anniversary of Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. And they get up there and they're on the older side. 
and they're holding they're holding the Oscar and the Oscar goes too and then you just see Warren Beatty just staring at it. And you're, yeah. Then I think everyone's mind went to, oh, uh, you know, know. He, he probably should have brought his glasses. You know, mm, he can't really he's see. Old. He's old. It's older. It's okay. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then just the confidence for Faye Dunaway to just go here. I got this. La La Land. And it, and then this is the part that never gets talked about. She says this, and she's out. She's out. She's gone. She sprints she's, off the stage. She is off the stage. Once they realize it's it's they fucked up. Yeah, she's gone. Beat me up, Scotty. She was like, she was I don't even there. know where she went, and like no one could like if you go back and even watch footage, like she's just like disappears. Yeah. Like she's just like boop gone. And, and Warren Beatty is just up there, just standing in shock of like, like I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm just holding the thing right, and he's just like everyone's looking at this thing, and it's like total confusion right the guy with the headsets running across the stage yeah. and it was the thing where people started to do s- speeches and then you could see the chaos and the you could tell the cameraman that was filming it was like do i pay attention to what's running around or do i look at this person yeah. in the speech and the best speech was one of the producers that in the middle of it goes oh yeah we lost by the way yeah and then moonlight you won and then everyone is you're just in shock and jimmy kimmel goes over this like everything that happened like a couple of days after it had happened and he said and it's funny enough our common character in both of these stories is denzel washington <laughs> right because denzel's the one that calmed will smith down and talked about mm-hmm. uh and it was really good like um the devil tries to find you when you're at your highest when you're at your highest that's when the devil comes for you yeah which was incredible which is very true it should be in a movie like, yeah like that should be that should be a movie in itself like whatever mm-hmm. base the movie around that quote yeah and denzel is the one telling jimmy kimmel because i mean i'm sure a lot of people don't now but jimmy kimmel had a bit with matt damon mm-hmm. because of their feud even though they're best That's friends quotes yeah um yeah i guess i did that yeah <laughs> air quotes air quotes um they had a bit lined up about oh it's cool that Manchester by the Sea won, but you didn't. Yeah. Like, they had a whole thing ready. And then Denzel's like, you should go up there. Like, something's like, happening. Yeah, you got to get up there. And just... Denzel is, like, zeroed in, eh? Yeah. Like, he is zeroed in. He knows He knows what's going down. Like, he is, like, I'm, I'm on this. Like, he just really, in every scenario, he just he just gets it. Yeah. I'm, I also just, like, back to the Will Smith part of it, it just, it now just completely overshadows the in memoriam they do mm-hmm. like a couple minutes later which like i understand it's supposed to be a celebration but it was just like this like choir and they were like a little too happy to be singing about all the people that died yeah. like on. jamie lee curtis comes out with the dog like yeah. it was just a spirit mess. in the sky song i was like that's an odd choice it's where i'm gonna go, go when, when i, I die. die and they're all up there just dancing away and it's like what happened to the show? Like it yeah. literally felt like two different shows or something. We went on a journey. Yeah. That last half an hour was the like the best room trip ever. <laughs> it was like, what is actually happening? Like, okay, so some guy just assaulted them, and now Jamie Lee Curtis is out out there talking about Betty White with a dog, and yeah, there's people dancing, and then yeah, no, it was, and then Will Smith wins, and people are standing up, and you're like, what is actually happening here? Right? Yeah. I think my final part of the argument is as crazy as the Will Smith Curse Rock moment is Moonlight La La Land was the best picture. It was the final award of the night. Yeah. It was how this award show, obviously the Will Smith one is how it's going to be remembered, but mm-hmm. this was the most best picture is the most important award of the night. For sure. And it, it, they were wrong. It got messed up. Yeah. And luckily, they everyone handled it yeah everyone handled it very well i found on stage like they were just like okay here you can have my oscar (laughs) yeah and like for i think of someone like barry jenkins like his reaction was like i felt like that moment not that it was taken away because he got up yeah beautiful speech right and got his oscar because I'm pretty sure Damien Chazelle won Best Director, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Because I'm pretty sure because Emma Stone had won, like, yes. La La Land had had its Oscars. Yes, yes. They definitely had won their their thing. Yeah, but Moonlight did get their moment, luckily. Yes. I think the Will Smith, Chris Rock is still, Chris Rock still isn't ready to talk about it. No. No, I know. It's just a hard one to compare because one is like, like I said, one was like an accident and it wasn't malicious and the other one is. So it's like, it's hard to compare those. But for shocking wise, I still think Will Smith was like the most because you just don't expect people to go up and assault someone. Whereas the other thing is like you got handed the wrong envelope. Like it's I mean, it sucks for Moonlight because, you know, they kind of miss their moment. 
that of being Moonlight One, like that yeah. moment was taken from him. It had them. to be someone else to tell them. Like after the guy said his acceptance speech too. He's like accepting a speech. He's doing knowing he didn't win yeah. at this point. He's giving his acceptance speech. Knowing he and, lost. Yeah. And then says, by the way, we didn't win. I'm like, what? Why didn't you stop talking then? Like, yeah, he was just he was taking his moment. Yeah. Now now that moment's probably off. Like the Will Smith will probably be the one that everyone will remember more. Well, I think it's just that's the way he it will. Like he will never get away from this now. It's it is unfortunate that he made this decision because I don't think no matter what he does, he it like people will remember it. unless it's like Tiffany Haddish or people that supported him. Yeah, they're gonna be over it, but I don't think anybody else will. I mean, he's not gonna be at the Oscars for ten years, so I don't know. Apparently, he's in India right now doing some peace and love, which yeah, good for him. Praying. I think he should be getting divorce papers, but. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. And let's, with that being said, let's get into our IMC for next week. Yeah. So to to give everyone, to pull the curtain back, I did tell you, you know oh, yeah. what you're watching. What was it again? I know. Mm, there we heard. go. Now it gets to be a surprise for everyone. I know. Because for some shocking reason, it has been released very early since it was in theaters. But you are going to be watching 2022's The, the Batman. Batman. Very very important. The, the Bat- Batman. Batman. I'm actually really excited to watch it. We were going to watch it last weekend, and then I don't know why we didn't. I do want to watch this with you. Oh. Well, I'm going to watch it this weekend. I don't wait. Okay, well, I have hockey. You don't have hockey at night. Saturday night, I might. Depends. I well, put a movie called Marshall. Do you know what that is? It's on my list. Um... I'm pretty Not sure. Not We Are Marshall. That's a Chadwick Boseman one, I want to say. Okay. Have you seen it? No. Okay, well. I, I feel like you should probably know what it is before you I know, tell me I to know. watch I'm it. S- I know, I know. Maybe we have to watch that one together, too. Yeah, it is Chadwick Boseman. Is it, who is it? Is it Marshall, like Marshall Thurgood? It is, yes. Faces one of the greatest challenges we're working as a lawyer as the NACP. You say N- that. N- double Yeah, that's what I was like. Um, yeah, so he goes to c- conservative Connecticut. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd, I might have had this movie too. On my list? Oh, yeah. Sweet. Like, well, have you seen it? I haven't. So why don't we watch both together? That sounds like a plan to me. I like it. Um, no, I have um, the Barack Obama movie. What's that's that what I was thinking. It's called Barry. Oh, okay. Like the show, Barry. Yeah. I gotta watch that. You do. I know. Barry season three. Forever, anyone interested? It, I had watched the first episode because that's one of those shows. And He's like you told waiting. me, I can't wait. No, I told him. I was like, you go watch it. I would never do that to you. That would be mean, <laughs> right? Like it would be like, no, you have to wait for Dad and I. <laughs> like no, because it's so hard for us all to be together so, to watch the shows, like mm-hmm. certain shows. So like Moon Moon Night, we're is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. we're behind on that one. I think we're two episodes two behind. Yeah, and next week's the finale. I like how none of us week. none of us know what's going on, but yet we all still watch it. It's it's really good. I know it's so good, but I have no idea what's happening. Like I don't. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, I guess Casey got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Then besides that, we will see you next time. Bye.